The scripture this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 27. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Mike, uh, for the introduction. Um, It is an honor and a joy for me to be able to be here with you all, to worship with you in this way. And as you have noticed in the bulletin, um, at the very top of our scripture reading page, you'll see that it says, First Sunday of Lent. Uh, For those of us who may not be too familiar with Lent, Lent has uh, officially begun this past Wednesday, and it is the 40 days leading up to Easter, excluding the Sundays. So if you count all uh, all the days up to Lent, it will all add up to 40 days. And with that in mind, uh, we are entering into a series on Lent. Now, the purpose of Lent is uh, to release our uh, different kinds of attachments that we have to this world. And by doing so, we recognize our need for Jesus and his forgiveness and in his grace. And so with that in mind, uh, what we will be doing is we'll be looking at different interactions that Jesus has with different people throughout the Synoptic Gospels. And for today, it is the interaction with the rich young man. Now, Andrew Halem. Andrew Halem is a finance journalist. He's a speaker, and he's the author of a book called The Millionaire Teacher. That's what it sounds like, The Millionaire Teacher. He Uh, describes how he built a million-dollar investment portfolio based off of a teacher's salary. Now, when he had an interview with the Financial Post, and he was asked to define what success was to him, this is how he responded. He says, if I say a person is very successful, most people's brains immediately go to a job title or a kind of monetary success. And when I ask people why that is, and then I ask why that reason is the reason you have, and I keep digging, the answer I always eventually land on is this. Because it will make me happy. 
safe and secure. Everything we do comes down to this basic satisfaction. Now, is that definition, is that, is that observation something that perhaps resonates with you today? The longing for happiness, for safety, or security. Something that doesn't corrupt, something that doesn't disappear. That's infinite, never-ending. Something that will last to eternal life. You see, when you look at our text today, it talks about eternal life. And it reveals two ways that people can seek eternal life in this world. One, by seeking eternal life, as I said, in the things of this world. Or number two, by seeking eternal life in Jesus. So those are the two points we'll be looking at today. By seeking eternal life in the world and by seeking eternal life in Jesus. So firstly, seeking eternal life in the things of this world. To provide a little bit of context about wealth, back in the Jewish society, wealth was a mark of God's blessing. Wealth wasn't frowned upon. Wealth wasn't an evil. In fact, it was something that everyone desired. Because for the Jewish people at the time, it meant that it was a reward for good moral behavior on their part. If you live a good life, then God will reciprocate that, the, the, the good works that you did with good wealth. Example of this perspective we can see in uh, Job's friends in the Old Testament. For them, when Job was in poverty, that meant to them that he was in poverty because God wasn't pleased because of some of his sins that he had committed or some of his evil behavior. So poverty to them meant that there was no good moral behavior but sin on his part. Now when we look at the rich young man in our passage, he was probably somewhere between his uh, late 20s to early 30s. And if we talk in terms of our language today, his net worth would have been something in the billions of dollars. He had everything. But here's the interesting thing. It wasn't dirty money. It wasn't money that was stolen or obtained illegally. This was money that was clean. It was hard-earned. It was legitimate money and wealth. This rich young man, he doesn't have a name. It's just rich young man. He did everything according to the book. He was a religious man who also appeared to be a morally upright person. And so in the Jewish society's eyes, to the people back then, he was this all-around good guy. And this young man, in our story, he's introduced as someone who runs up to Jesus and kneels before Jesus. In that posture, you see sincere earnestness. In that posture of kneeling, you see this deep respect. And you have to understand that as a person of great status and wealth, to kneel before someone else as everyone around you is watching, that, that wasn't the most elegant thing to do. In a culture where you valued honor and shame, someone of honor and status to kneel before someone else must have been shameful or embarrassing. 
But this rich young man still does that because he sees Jesus and he believes that Jesus must have the answer to his search for eternal life, eternal meaning, eternal purpose. Now, the young man, he's pretty confident with his life's resume. When Jesus tells him, you know the commandments, he responds, I've kept all the commandments since I was a youth, since I was around 12 years old. Don't murder. Yep. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't even hurt anyone in my life. Do not commit adultery. Never have I slept with another man's wife. Do not steal. Everything that I have has been earned by my two hands. Honestly and sincerely. Don't bear false witness. I've always been honest with all of my neighbors, all of my clients, all the people that I've interacted with. I'm an honest man. Do not defraud. Now you might notice, do not defraud. This doesn't sound like the Ten Commandments. You don't see those words, do not defraud. But this is another way of saying do not covet. And he says, I have not coveted other people's money or status to the point where I will use fraudulent means, illegal means, to get what I want. Honor your father and mother. I'm continuing to take care of them to this very day. This rich young man, he checks all of the boxes as a devout Jew. There's no indication that any of these attempts were insincere. And Jesus also doesn't point out that he didn't keep any of the commandments. He doesn't say, technically, you stole at this time of your life. Technically, you committed adultery. He doesn't say that. Jesus acknowledges this young man's virtue and integrity behind the great wealth that he has. And Jesus never says, it's sinful being rich. It's sinful being wealthy. He doesn't say that. But what does Jesus respond with? And that is what we need to look at for today. Jesus looks at the rich young man, and Jesus loves him. Imagine that. The Son of God doing a deep dive into this rich young man's heart. He sees past all his wealth, all the great possessions, everything that he's done, all the accomplishments, and he just looks straight at his heart. He looks at him, he loves him, and he sees him for who he really is. He sees that this rich young man has been trying to earn his way into the kingdom of God by depending on his own effort. His incredible wealth proved that he could depend on himself to do this too, to earn, inherit, earn and inherit eternal life. But to this young man's surprise, Jesus responds in a very unexpected way to reveal to him the one thing that he lacked. It was total and complete abandon of his lifestyle and possessions. You see, Jesus, by saying that, was showing to the young man that you don't earn your way into God's presence. It doesn't work like that. Devotion that's pleasing to God is one where you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. In this kind of devotion, you don't get to bargain 
with God to get back something in return for all the stuff that you've done for him. You love simply for the reason of loving God. He is the one who is to sit at the throne of your heart. And his love, his approval, is the greatest reward that you could ever ask for. The way to eternal life is through genuine love, devotion, and obedience to God without a trace of idolatry or selfish motives in your heart. But Jesus looks at the rich young man and he says, But you, young man, can you say that everything you've done and built for yourself was out of genuine love for God? Is God the one who is seated at the throne of your heart? Or is it something else? Have you been worshiping a functional idol that promises eternal life through the things that are found in this world? In your case, has that been wealth? And we are faced with the same question today. Who or what is sitting on the throne of your heart today? Is it the idol of wealth? Are you looking to be able to purchase a place to call your home one day? Are you working hard to be mortgage-free, debt-free? Does wealth promise you, promise to give you that eternal life of comfort and security? Is it the idol of power or status Are you eagerly working hard to earn promotions, to expand your business, so that others will be able to recognize your success? Does the idol of power and status promise to give you the eternal life of approval? Is it the idol of relationships? Are you investing heavily into your family or into your search for a spouse as the unfailing source of security and joy in the midst of all the uncertainties and hardships that you're going through? Does that promise to give you the eternal life of love that will fill the void in your heart? Who or what is sitting on the throne of your heart today? That is the question that we are faced with. That is the question that Jesus points out to the rich young man. And the sobering reality for the young man is this, wealth, or whatever, is sitting on the throne of his heart. It gives him, and it may give us, a false sense of security and happiness. But this is not the answer to inheriting true and eternal life of satisfaction and joy. Jim Carrey, I know Jim Carrey through the movie The Mask, but I'm sure uh, others, others of you may know Jim Carrey through other movies or uh, acts that he has done. Now, Jim Carrey, he's an, he's an incredibly successful Canadian-American actor and comedian. And he made this very sobering and profound comment many, many years ago in his earlier years in his search for success. And it sheds light on the kind of eternal life that many of us 
may find ourselves seeking in this world. And actually, if you turn to the front of your bulletins, you can see his quote. Now, I, I, I promise you, Jeff and I did not coordinate this. <laughs> this was a quote that I was thinking of, and he put it in the bulletin, and it just worked out. This is the quote that he says. I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so that they will know that it is not the answer. Now, let me tell you this. In a more recent speech, and this speech is not in the bulletin, this was a speech he gave for the Golden Globe Awards, and he was one of the hosts. And as he began his opening monologue to the awards ceremony, he says this. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. When I go to sleep at night, I'm not just the guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner getting well-needed shut-eye. When I dream, I dream about being a three-time Golden Globe winning actor, Jim Carrey, because then I'll be enough. It will finally be true. And I can stop this terrible search of what I know won't ultimately fulfill me. He still didn't find that thing he's looking for to eternally satisfy him. The rich young man, he had everything he could have possibly wanted. All the money, all the status, all the wealth, all the relational riches. But he still wasn't satisfied because he was seeking eternal life and the things of this world that only resulted in disappointment and failure. Then the question we have to ask ourselves is, how then are you supposed to find it? And this brings us to our second way. By seeking eternal life in Jesus. Jesus says, it's easier for a camel, camel being one of the largest animals back in Palestine, it's easier for an, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying it's impossible for someone who doesn't have God at the throne of their hearts to attempt perfect obedience to his commandments in order to enter his kingdom. That's because their obedience is inherently, it's corrupted by the sinful state of their heart. God isn't the true ruler in their lives. Rather, they are. And that kind of obedience is no obedience at all in the eyes of a holy God. And so to that, the disciples rightly ask, then who can be saved? Who in this world can be saved? And Jesus looks at them the same way he looked at the rich man. And he says these words, With man, it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. What Jesus is saying is that eternal life is possible with God because it is only freely given by God and freely received by faith in the person and work of God of Jesus Christ. 
So when Jesus tells the young man to come, to give up all that he has and to come and follow him, Jesus was calling him to take a hold of something of greater worth than all the possessions that he had accumulated to that point. Jesus was inviting the man to take a hold of himself as the true rich young man who would give up his life for the ransom of many. For Jesus, Jesus was far richer than the young man could have ever dared imagined. Jesus was the Son of God who had lived in eternal glory and the abundant wealth in that perfect communion in the Trinity. In his incarnation, when Jesus came into this earth, he left all of heaven's riches behind and entered into poverty deeper than anyone has ever known in the sense of that word. Financially, he had no place to lay his head. Emotionally, he would be persecuted and hated. Relationally, he would be abandoned and left alone in his darkest hour. Also that those who would believe in him might become rich in his poverty. You see, Jesus doesn't ask the young man to do anything that he wasn't willing to do. And in the same way, today, Jesus doesn't ask you to give up any more than what he has already given up. When he was handed over to be killed for the sins of you and I, we were ransomed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross, a death That was fitting for the worst of criminals, not the king of heaven. A death where he hung all alone, crying out to the Father, Why have you forsaken me? A death where he took our place of sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he'd be raised again on the third day, conquering the final enemy of sin and death, and offering the imperishable riches of eternal life to all those who would believe in his name. Jesus Christ is the true, rich, young man who has given up everything for you to purchase your freedom from your sins, from your idolatry, to purchase your salvation, and to give you eternal life. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And so when he beckons you to give up what you have, whatever is on the throne of your heart, how can you refuse such a call? For the greatest treasure, the greatest reward of eternal life has already been purchased for you. And there will be a day when you meet Jesus face to face. Jesus, looking at you, loving you, and saying, welcome home. 
there can be no greater security than the one within the walls of his kingdom. There can be no greater approval or love than the one freely poured out by the Heavenly Father to his beloved children. The way to eternal life is found in Jesus. This is by the grace of God that it is freely given to us. And it is by faith that we freely receive it when we believe in Jesus and in what he has done for us. So for those of us now who are seeking, you're currently exploring the faith, and you may be looking for that one missing thing that promises to give you joy, comfort, security, love that will last forever. Would you look to Jesus? Ask God to reveal his son to you and to extend his grace by giving you the faith to be able to believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins. For it is only in Jesus that you will find eternal life to the fullest in communion with God as you receive and experience his love and his grace. For those who do confess Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, you are called, I am called, we are called to follow him. To follow him. You can trust that he will lead you on the path of eternal life where you will experience the Father's love to the absolute fullest. So replace whatever idol, whatever may be sitting in your heart with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is of infinitely greater worth. Now, following Jesus isn't easy. No, it can be incredibly hard and painful as you pick up your cross and follow him. And maybe that's where you find yourself to be in today. But might I remind you and encourage you that Jesus promises us that his spirit will be with us always until the very end of the age. That means the spirit of Jesus is in us as we are also in him. He is sufficient. He is enough for all of our needs as he strengthens us in the moments of our weakness. Jesus, he is worthy and he is good to be followed. Jesus is the true rich young man who has given up everything for you and I. So let us submit to him as the rightful king to rule and reign in our hearts and allow all the other areas of our lives, be it our finances, our families, our relationships, whatever it may be, to also follow suit, to follow him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess that oftentimes we find ourselves seeking eternal life in the things of this world. Forgive us for not having you in the throne of our hearts. And we ask by your Spirit, help us to follow you. For eternal life can only truly be found in you, our Lord and our Savior. And we also specifically ask that you help provide for the needs of those 
who are going through really difficult and trying times to follow you. Strengthen us with your grace. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.